This is Let Your Voice Be Heard right here on WHCR 90.3 FM, the voice of Harlem. So, okay. guys, we are back on Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM, WHCR, the voice of Harlem. I would like to give a shout-out to CCMI Police. All of them, well, actually, 99% of them are awesome. One of them is a really crappy cop. <laughs> Anyways, if you're listening, you suck. Anyways, guys, shifting gears now. Speaking of really bad people, I'd like to talk about what happened last week, Saturday night. As you guys know, we came into the show Sunday morning and we were a bit frazzled because a mass shooting happened at an Orlando nightclub where one man came in, shot over 100 people, killing 49, and of course, he was the 50th death. This man was attacking these group of people, enjoying their lives, celebrating their happiness and their friendships and who they were, and he couldn't take that. He was so angry and so filled with hate, he decided to go out of his way to ruin not only their days but their lives by taking them since that incident has happened we have had all sorts of news stories talking about homophobia in america gun violence in america and of course terrorism because anytime someone's named omar and it's slightly brown it has to be a terrorist issue what i'm talking to you guys about today is not necessarily about gun control it isn't about the terrorism we'll get to that later what i want to talk to you about is a growing problem in america today with homophobia with transphobia with genderphobia with the issues and the problems that we have with people who are different from us. And even if you are not someone who is transphobic or homophobic or hates a particular gender, the language that we use that attacks these people, that people who don't have problems with them allegedly, let get by. So today, we'll be talking about the impact that religion has in that, that culture has in that, that music has in that, that we have in that, and what we can all do. But just to start this conversation off, because this is still a very raw topic, and a lot of us are still hurting, I would just like to go from the beginning and get everyone's reactions from when they heard this horrible news last week. And I want to start with Alyssa. So, I mean, yeah, I, I, I was shocked, but then again, I wasn't, right? Because... You know, there's so much rhetoric. I don't want to blame it squarely on religion because there are religious groups out there that are not putting up that rhetoric. I mean, uh, I can get into more examples later. But, for example, like after the shooting, there was um, a group of Orthodox Jews that went to, uh, you know, a gay bar to talk to them. But, you know, there's also been a lot of just hate rhetoric. And especially we've seen a lot of anti-trans rhetoric. Um, And I find that there's been a lot of this pushback following the... The uh, marriage ruling last year, um, there's been a, a huge pushback against LGBT rights and LGBT people. But even before this ruling, um, you might be surprised to know that LGBT people are more likely to be the targets of a hate crime than any other minority group. In fact, um, data that was collected by the FBI shows that LGBT people are actually twice as likely to be targeted for a hate crime than African-Americans. Mm. Um, so, wow. you know, like in so, I mean, my initial reaction was to be sad, upset. Um, I was so frustrated, you know, and, and in some ways sort of just disgusted and devastated. But then in other ways, I just like I wasn't surprised. Mm. And I think that's what bothered me the most, how like we've mm. just let so much rhetoric go on and sometimes we just downplay it and and then things like this happen and like to me i see a direct correlation between those two things selena thank you so much i mean my initial reaction was disgust i mean we have had so many mass shootings here in america it's almost the norm and by the way america is the number one country for mass shootings and we'll talk about the reason why and how that links directly to the lack of common sense gun control legis- legislation later on in the show but to just keep it human i mean there are 49 lives were lost in a nightclub um, by a psychotic madman who was anti-LGBT, anti-women, anti-Latino, anti-black, anti-Jew. He hated everyone. Although, and, just to cut in on you, there was a point, apparently there's a narrative where um, he didn't kill two black girls because he said your country has put you through enough already. Um, So that's an interesting point. I did hear that. And another initial reaction I had, when I found out it was the Post um, nightclub and it was Latino night, I'm like, who the heck killed an already marginalized um, group of people? Then I found out they were LGBT. I'm like... I'm like, there was black people there. There was Latinos there. There were queer folk, queer folk there. I'm like, you're killing people that are already subjected to so much oppression in our country. What are you trying to prove? And then at first when I thought it was black people, I'm yeah. like, black lives don't matter. Like, I'm like, you killing black people. What you trying to prove with well, that? Well, funny thing, when I, when I 
at first when I heard about it, I thought it was a um a black nightclub. Yeah, that's and what I, I thought figured too at that first. they would allow it as a as a gang issue because usually when it's a mass shooting in a black neighborhood, they call it gang violence, even if it's not a gang affiliated. Remember in um, New Orleans, there was a shooting about two years ago where ten people were shot, and they said, "Oh, it was it was a gang war." <laughs> so that. I mean, that's that. I don't want to take away from like what the real issue is, but that's one thing that I did. Think. Well, you know, we can. I think we can really get into talking later on during the second half of the show about you know whether it was terrorism, a hate crime, or a combination yeah. of both. But as to your point about um, uh, black people and about Latino people, uh, uh, you know, among the LGBT spectrum, black and Latino people um, who are gay and transgender suffer obviously the most. I mean, obviously, I just said LGBT people in general um, are twice as likely to be the target of a hate crime than black people. But then when you look at those numbers more deeply, what you find out is out of the um, people killed uh, between 2012 and 2015 that identified somewhere uh, on the LGBTQ spectrum, you will find that 39 of those people were black transgender women, 11 were black gay men, 11 were white gay men, eight were Latino transgender women, and 19 were other. And by other, um, you know, some other classification, like I would fall into the other classification as somebody who is white um, and gender non-binary slash female. Um, So, you know, even within those numbers, of course, black people are still being affected the most and black transgender women the most out of all of those. Thank you, Alyssa. So now, guys, if you want to call in and give some comments, the number is 212-650-6903. Again, that is 212-650-6903. Or you can tweet us at BeHerd underscore radio. Monty is on the Twitter ones and twos, and he will let us know what you said to us. But I want to shift gears. So, guys, after this happened, we were all very raw. I know I had a hard time focusing last week's show. Um, and I put up a status, and the status pretty much just said, even if you are not necessarily homophobic, if you've ever spewed out any kind of anti-LGBTQ commentary, if you know someone who has and you didn't say anything, if you ever judge someone because of their, their, their sexual orientation or their gender identity, then you are a part of the problem. And what I really want to do is switch gears and talk about, like, like there's a huge issue of homophobia, and there's a lot... A lot of people can take the blame, but the first one I want to get to right now is just talking about religion and, like, the role that religion plays into it. And it doesn't matter which which, which religion you follow, Flying Spaghetti Monster, Scientology, Christianity, Islam, Torah, every, like, almost every one of those books has something about um, same-sex people, and, like, it's not good. They look down on it. The communities are very, like, hurtful and shameful towards it. How much do you think religion played a role into this? And I'll let you go first, Selena. Um, you know, I am a millennial of faith, a woman of faith. Um, I'm Christian and, you know, I just want to put that out there for disclaimer. Um, what role did religion play? So, so here's my answer. No religion preaches or teaches the killing of LGBT people. I, I know not the killing. Give me the scripture. Show me. Show like and, and, like. No, I said show the her killing. The show her the so, no, no. Let me finish. Let me finish. You can finish. The thing is, like, I, I did not. I did not disagree with Stanley said. But when it comes to that level of extremism, I think that. That person does not subscribe to Islam. Islam is a religion of peace. And the fact that what he did does, is not reflective of that religion. And I also feel like we need to what, what's been happening here. And uh, that, that is very important is we cannot pit two disenfranchised, marginalized communities against each other. This is not a queer community versus Islam. Well, this is Islam not religion or, like or, or, or religion. And I feel like that's the rhetoric that I've been hearing. Now, I directly after the shooting, a number of Islamic people of faith came out in Florida and prayed, came together and celebrated um, the breaking of fast because it is Ramadan to pray and to just, you know, just come together and unite and to stand with those victims. So I don't think that you know, to a certain degree, we can really say it was Islam. So I don't want to say it was Islam, but I, but America, um, at least at the moment, it is still a majority Christian nation. And within that majority Christian nation, there is a very um, sort of right group of evangelists who has some very anti-LGBTQ things to say. And they spew that rhetoric because we see in our Congress people, our senators, our state senators and our leaders. The day, excuse me, the Monday after the shooting, there was a pastor from California who was saying he was glad that this shooting happened because the, the killer ridded the world of more evil people. Pat Buchanan. 
And I'm sorry, Alyssa, you want to say something? Yeah, no, no, no. Finish what you were going to say. And Pat Buchanan also said the same thing. It was because of their sins as being gay. We cannot ignore the role that these religious groups have in perpetuating homophobia, or at least the people within them. Right. Alyssa? You know, no, just to respond to something Selena said, I, I don't disagree with you that, like, like religions inherently, like, are can be peaceful, right? But there are things in the strips, like, in the Bible, it says that if you lie with another man, you should be stoned, right? Yeah. Okay? And that is literally a directive to kill somebody because they are gay. Now, here's the thing. Centuries and centuries and centuries of time have allowed some people within religious groups, like you, Selena, and like men, I know a Lutheran pastor who marries lots of gay couples. The Trinity Church down on Wall Street has a big sign that says, we support LGBT people and Gay Pride Month. Mm-hmm. Over time, many diff- there has been divide within religious groups. Now, I understand what you're saying, which is those people don't represent the religion, but I don't think that's a fair statement because I think those people do represent their version of religion. They may not represent the religion as a whole. They may not represent peaceful people like yourself that are uh, you know, LGBT friendly and pro LGBT. They don't represent people like my friend and somebody who we've had on the show, Linda Sarasau, who is uh, a Muslim who's very friendly and very much in line with the LGBTQ people and stands in solidarity with them. But they still represent some portion of a religious view, and we can't discount them by just saying, "Oh well, they're not. They don't who, represent the religion." Well, who's Lena, they? Can you specify? Like when you say they, who these, are you speaking these of? people like that are extremists that want to kill gay people. Yeah. Like, like the they still, they now, still represent part of the religion. Religion. Yeah, Selena, just one second. Um, I, I know this is a rough one for you. It's, Bear with I me. Just want to but say it's like it, this: if like if we're all the Fritzes, right? Obviously, you guys, you would never want to be a Fritz, Selena. I know that. <laughs> but we're all the Fritzes, and Monty decides to go kick a puppy. Like Monty, it's Monty who kicked the puppy, but he's still a Fritz. It doesn't change that. So, all right, so. I don't think that they do represent, and I think that the mass majority of Christians and Muslims and Jews who've been coming out and condemning this act is more reflective of what the religion is. And also, I want to talk about the pastor, the the preacher that Stanley mentioned earlier. He was a Baptist preacher in um, Sacramento, and he devoted his Sunday sermon to praising Omar Martin, the shooter. And he also said, and I quote, are you sad that 50 pedophiles were killed today? No, I think that's great. I think that that helps society. I think Orlando, Florida is safer tonight. Now, when I read that story, I automatically felt like I felt horrible. I felt very upset and very frustrated, but it also drew me closer and helped me empathize more with victims of Islamophobia because now I know how it feels to be generalized because of a few bad apples. And I hated the fact that he did that. And I hated the fact that he calls himself Baptist. And I hated the fact that he represents and wears the cloth. He is not reflective of us. And those people need to stop. Thank you so much for that, Selena. By the way, guys, if you are listening and you want to give a comment or ask a question, the number is 212-650-6903. Again, that is 212-650-6903. Listen. I think religious religious groups are very problematic. Those are my own personal opinions. But I think what Alyssa, what Selena just said is 100% true. And I think that, you know, 99.9% of people in religious groups are peaceful people. But you can't walk away from the people who are in your religion who are problematic. But I don't want to harp on, like, this the religion, like, like all day, so I want to give Alyssa a comment, and then I want to switch switch gears and talk about like just general, like people in general. Yeah, no, no. no. Well, I mean, listen. Here's the thing, right? I, I mean, I would agree with you also. Like there, you know, like you can't look at one. You know, I would never do like I don't do that with Muslims. I wouldn't say, oh, well, this one Muslim did something bad, so that's all Muslims. And I don't look at Christians and go, oh, this one Christian said something like the pastor said, and that's all Christians. Like I agree with you on that. What I'm saying is there is a small subset, a small but loud subset of re- religious minorities, but they have power. Like, here's an example, right? This was an article that was in editorial that was published the day after the shooting um, in the New York Times, and the title was The Corrosive Politics That Threaten LGBT Americans. And it goes through talking about the gains that LGBT Americans have made since um, Matthew Shepard, for example, was hung up on a fence to die through last year when, uh, you know, same-sex marriage was ruled to be uh, legal. And, you know, basically, since the marriage ruling, Republican-led state legislatures and Republican governors and federal lawmakers have redoubled their fight against legal protections for people on the basis of sexual orientation and gender identity. So far this year, in 2016, and it is only June, so we are only halfway through the year, there has been more than 200, 200 anti-LGBT bills that have been introduced in 34 states by prominent Republicans. Um, and 
If you don't think that these bills are not being introduced because these Republicans, these conservatives are being influenced, but by a small yet vocal minority of religious right groups in these states and throughout the country, you are wrong. And so that's where I think like even you agree with me, like it's not about vilifying one religious group or another. It's about being able to go, oh, wait. If we've had 200 anti-LGBT bills introduced in our own society, like, where is that coming from? You know, people say all the time they don't want to have Sharia law, right? They don't want to have a system based on religious laws. But then they turn around in the same vein and say that we should make laws that are go against LGBT people. And they're basing those laws on their own religious beliefs. If you have your religious beliefs and you don't believe that people should be gay that's you're entitled to that belief but you're not entitled in a secular society to try and legislate that belief into law we have a separation between church and state we do sometimes it doesn't exist as far as i can tell but we do so guys we have to go on a quick break when we come back we're going to switch gears just a bit and talk about society's role We are back on Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM, WHCR, the voice of Harlem. If you are just tuning in, we are talking about the mass shooting that took place in Orlando, Florida, last week, Saturday evening. It is being said it's the worst mass shooting in American history. I am inclined to disagree because there have been plenty of mass shootings towards people of color that America doesn't like to count. We can talk about the Oklahoma bombings as well. But that's not what this conversation is about. We are talking about the mass shooting. We are talking about the role that religion plays in homophobia. And before we enter the segment, Selena was just talking about how it upsets her when they try to associate some like a few bad apples and, and religious groups to all religious people when most religious people are, are kind, they care about peace, and they do not have problems with the LGBTQ community. Alyssa, Alyssa was talking about giving her point that, yes, there are issues in, in these religious groups, and you cannot ignore these people, and also you cannot ignore the fact that LGBTQ people are some of the most persecuted and attacked people in America. And even though we've had some, some, um, some, some, some progress, there's still a lot of problems. Obviously, Saturday night is a glaring example of that. However, I do want to switch gears, and I want to use a personal story to um, kind of like switch gears. Something you're probably going to laugh, not because you're mean, but because it's sort of funny. When I was in seventh grade, there was a study that came out that said, if your fingers bend backwards, you're probably gay. So my fingers do bend a little backwards. And I remember my friends used to make fun of me. I'm like, oh, Stanley is gay. He's this, he's that. And there was this kid I was really good friends with. And he was a bit, I guess he, he was a bit feminine. Like he didn't like to play sports. He had, he had a softer voice and they used to always call him gay. And I remember after they said that about me, I started being really mean to this kid and bullying him and making fun of him because I thought that being gay was the worst possible thing in the world. We were a bunch of 12-year-olds. We, we didn't just come up with, this, with these like hateful words on our own. We got it from our parents who got it from the, maybe their opinions or from society. And while things have improved, and I don't feel that way anymore about you know LGBTQ people, there are still a lot of things that are said by people, religious or not, about gay, lesbian, transgender, et cetera, et cetera. And I want to ask you guys, like, how much have you seen that? And like, what if, like, have you seen people pushing back, or is this still a problem, Selena? I the people that I see that are anti-LGBT, yeah, they fall on the Christian right, or they're not religious at all. Like, let's say I have family members who I've heard make some anti-LGBT sentiment. They don't read the Bible. They don't go to church. They're not Christian. They don't come to church with me. So, I mean, it's definitely a societal problem. And Stanley, on Thursday, made a great point when he said, if we did not have religion, would we still have homophobia? And Alyssa, who represents, who is LGBT, said yes. Yeah, I, I mean, we would. I mean, I, like I said, I think there's definitely there. Even those people that you say like don't go to church with you, I still think there's some kind of embedded religion somewhere. I mean, but I think even if there was no religion, we would still have anti-LGBT sentiment. But just to add to that, like th- these things come from a place of hate. And regardless of where you see where this place of hate comes from, like there's still this this portion of hate. And we have to remember that like this isn't new. This isn't isolated. There's a great meme that's going around that I actually want to read before we go to a quick caller, which is you say um, and this is by Elle Bartz. She's a very famous writer. And she wrote, you say, how could this tragedy happen? It happened because Omar Mateen's hate was born and bred in America, not overseas. Just two weeks ago, you were calling trans women child predators. One year ago, you were saying that our marriages shouldn't be recognized. Six years ago, you were saying that gay men and women couldn't die for their country. That was the don't ask, don't tell. Ten years ago, you told us we didn't deserve job protections. And in fact, we still don't because we still don't have a federal job legislation. We can talk about that 
in a second. 13 years ago, it took Lawrence v. Texas to decriminalize our sex lives. Remember, up until 2003, sodomy was still illegal in America. Literally, our sex lives were illegal. 18 years ago, Mathard Shepard was killed. 23 years ago, Brandentina, which is Boys Don't Cry, um, was killed. 36 years ago, the American government began its five-year silence while 10,000 gay men were massacred by the AIDS virus, and Ronald Reagan did absolutely nothing. 43 years ago, we were considered to be mentally ill under the DSM. 47 years ago is when the Stolen World Riots began. For centuries, this country has bred homophobia into our society, our schools, and the very fabric of history. Omar Mateen was a product of that hate. America, you taught him this, and you even sold him the gun to do it. Ooh, that's that's wow. all on, on one meme? That must be a that's big meme. That's on one meme. <laughs> Lord Jesus. Oh, that's, that's not a meme. That's a Facebook post, Alyssa. Yeah, but it's like, it's a meme. <laughs> they memeanized it. Ain't nobody memeing that. Nobody. Yeah, that's a memeanized. I don't see no Michael Jordan crying faces but or anything like that. That, sent, that statement was everything just it, now. It, Absolutely was. So, guys, we do have a caller on the line. We have Kenroy Charrington from the BX on the line. Thank you so much for being patient, Kenroy, and let your voice be heard. Okay, thanks, Sammy. I just want to say this, that, you know, homophobia is always going to be like this. You know, there's some people that, you know, I'm tolerant. I don't know what God makes of it, but there's some people, no matter what, they don't, even if, even if there was no God, they will still be homophobic. And, and uh, given the opportunity, if they could hurt a homosexual person, they will take opportunity uh, opportunity of it. I mean, uh, in certain states, you know, um, I learned this in, uh, in with an organization that if the boss finds out that the the, the employee is gay, they straight up fire them. So, um, given the opportunity, homosexual people will always be persecuted. And uh, as for gun control. You know, money talks. You know, uh, Republicans and some Democrats. Uh, you know. Uh, the NRA leadership, you give, you give them money, um, they give them money, and, uh, you know, um, money talks. Hopefully in the future uh, we could have stricter gun control. But for right now, I don't think it's going to ever happen in my lifetime. Thank you so much for that, Ken Roy. That's a great comment. I mean, I know we're going to get into talking about guns later on in this segment, but I think that's, that's right. I mean, in 2014, 57,000 people reported to the Department of Justice that they were victims of, of a hate crime based on either their sexual orientation or their gender or their perceived sexual orientation, which means somebody thought they were gay, even if they were weren't. And that's just people who reported things. I mean, there's a lot of LGBT people, especially people who are in the closet because of their family. They don't report incidents. Um, thankfully, I have never been the victim of a hate crime, but I will tell you, that is not to say I have not gotten strange looks on the subway. And that's here in New York City. And New York City is like, has always been considered a place where gay people can come as a refuge. Mm -hmm. I mean, the Stonewall riots were back in 1969, and since then, gay people have been coming here. There are two places that gay people have always majorly flocked because they were considered safe places and safe spaces. Um, Christopher Street, well, but New York City generally, um, but all, and, and San Francisco. And, you know, like, that's pretty sad when right here, even in New York City, we still have hate crimes. Right now, a guy just was sentenced to 40 years for life for killing a guy on Christopher Street. Yeah. Like, so, like, it makes me feel like we're not even safe in our own city, in a city that's considered to be safe and considered to be more LGBT friendly. But you know what? Like, I'm not going to let that deter me. So, you know what I did, which was, I mean, I mentioned this to you guys. I had this thing I had to do for work after work on Friday, but then I had to, I went to go meet a friend. And you know what we did? You know where we went? Went to the Stonewall. Why? Because I'm not going to be deterred by this. I'm here. I'm queer. I'm proud. I'm not going to let anybody scare me. I'm going to go to the Stonewall. I'm going to go to the gay bar even more so. I wasn't even going to the Stonewall a lot. And after Orlando, I was like, you know what? I've been hiding too long. Let's go to like, the Stonewall. Let's go to the Stonewall. But I, I know you, you want to say something. I, I ran into a gay guy yesterday at the laundry room, and he had a really interesting point I want to get your reactions to. He said he thinks that part of the problem is right now in the LGBT movement, we don't have a, mel- a militant wing. He said back when, during the AIDS crisis, Larry Kramer started ACT UP, and they were a lot more militant. And then he said during the Civil Rights Movement, you had Martin and you had Malcolm. And a lot of the reason why LG- LBJ was willing to work with Mar- Martin is because people were scared of Malcolm. Malcolm. Yeah. And he said, maybe the LGBT people need more people to be more militant. He's, he said, I'm not advocating violence, mm-hmm. but I think we need to have a more militant wing of the LGBT movement to push politicians to speak to the less militant wing. And I thought that was a really interesting point, And I wanted to get your reactions to that. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that's necessary. That's why I tend to like movements like Black Lives Matter movement, which tends to be, I guess, a, a lot more militant. 
than uh, maybe more traditional civil rights groups. They force the like the establishment to have conversations with these groups because it's either you deal with Selena, who is sweet and intelligent and very smart and nice, or you deal with Stanley when he hasn't had a haircut in three months and he's been going to the gym every day. Which person do you want to have a conversation with? No, I full <clears throat> wholeheartedly agree with that sentiment and the fact that we, I mean, the LGBT movement has been very vocal and pushing, you know, same-sex um, legislation into federal law and just getting a lot of other things passed and, and, and pushing for progress. But I do agree that a militant wing could bring about more change. And I also thought that, you know, I know we're having this conversation about homophobia and the role that society and religion play in. And I thought another interesting point is the fact that Omar Martin, the shooter, may have allegedly been a closet homosexual himself. Um, the reason being is because he frequented the post club three for three years. I think he went on uh, like once a month. He supposedly was on gay dating apps and even asked another man out on a date, even though he was married, uh, Muslim and also had a child. Well, his family says he wasn't Muslim, but we'll, we'll get to oh. that. Yeah, his family, his family has been very adamant about that. But I'm glad you bring that up, Selena, because it's a question I wanted to ask. So some people are saying because he was gay, it couldn't be a hate crime. No, I, I mean, I disagree. So, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> what do you guys think, Alyssa? <laughs> I mean, just because, like, uh, uh, like at law, the definition of a hate crime is when you kill somebody or you injure somebody or you try and hurt somebody, assault them, etc., based on their sexual orientation, their race, their gender, etc. So just because you share, you know, like, but then on the other hand of that, which is like if we look at, for example, um, you know, white on white violence or black on black violence do we call those hate crimes no we don't so like i think that is interesting but i also think like it depends on what it is you have to look at if you're we we don't call those hate crimes okay let me give you an example if two people within the same racial group are killing each other and the reason they're killing each other is over turf or over selling of drugs or over i don't know what do white people kill each other over these days mayonnaise. uh like uh, it's the last jar of uh mayonnaise at the walmart Gouda cheese. Uh, yeah i don't know whatever it is there there are many reasons like somebody insults you and you shoot them today but you know like those aren't hate crimes because the re- underlying reason for them isn't the other person's race or gender or orientation it's because white people are crazy no right it, it's because you know of something else whether it's turf money, et cetera, et cetera. But if somebody's killing somebody, even if they are gay, if somebody's killing somebody and going to a nightclub and shooting it up because everybody there is gay, that's still a hate crime in my mind. Yeah, yeah definitely. And I think that um, Omar Martin may have been... Um, he may have actually internalized hate, right? You know, growing up in our society, growing up in a, the Islamic religion and becoming not, and becoming extreme, um, he may have internalized that hate. And it could have been an act of hate because he internalized it. So could we classify it as a hate crime because of that definition? I would say yes to that as well. And again, guys, if you would like to let your voice be heard on this very important conversation, call us up at 212 212- Six five zero six nine zero three. So, guys, we are getting to the point where we have to wrap it up. But what I really want to get back to is what, like, do you know someone who has said something that's anti-LGBT, who says something homophobic, and like, or like, who knows other people who have been this way? And what have you done when you've been in those situations? I'll start with Alyssa. So, yeah, I mean, I actually grew up in a pretty conservative part of Long Island um, with a lot of pretty conservative people. And I have many friends that post very anti, even if not anti-gay things, but anti-trans things, especially with respect to the bathroom laws. And I have gotten in multiple arguments with people and I've had to tell them, like, I'm not attacking you personally. Like, you're still my friend. But, like, this is bigoted like you may not realize it like you and i've tried to change that conversation in some respects like i've been able to have some legitimate exchanges with people and if not convince them why they're wrong but at least convince them to rethink what they're posting what they're saying and how that affects other people in some cases they don't listen at all and like that's just like any everything and anything like you're going to get through to some people and you're not going to get through to everybody but like to me as a gay person especially somebody who has a lot of friends that are conservative I'm like but you're friends with me but you like me do you think I'm weird and like I use myself as that example like I'm a lawyer like I've I've made a lot of headway in life like you know so I can be like listen like do you think that I'm weird or perverted like you and, and a lot of people are like oh you're not but 
what other people are. I'm like, but I'm no different than those people. And sometimes that's the way I can change the conversation. But I'm in that position because I'm queer. So I'm able to do that. Yeah. And I would just say I agree with Alyssa. Explaining rationale and helping people to understand combats ignorance the best way. Absolutely. So, guys, we do have a caller on the line, one of my favorite callers. Miss Deborah, let your voice be heard. Hi. Um, you know, I, I'm, I have not issues, but, you know, people should be able to agree and disagree without being called names. Now, I've had gay people tell me that I'm homophobe because I have a disagreement about something. I said, if you don't want me to call you the F word, then don't call me homophobe. Now, if you want respect, you give me respect. Okay, if we're having a debate and I don't happen to agree with something that you said, that does not mean that you have the the reason. I mean, you don't have the right to run rock shot on me. You understand? They don't always seem to get that. Some people who are older are maybe a little more mature, mm-hmm. and they will listen. But a lot of a lot of young uh, 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 gay people, they, it, all they know is what they see and what they want. Yeah. And that's not the way the world works. I mean, I think that's fair, uh, for sure. I, that's why when I have conversations with people that I know, um, you know, have the different beliefs than me, I try not to jump to calling them a homophobe just because we disagree. I mean, I've had many conversations with people um, where we disagree. And, I, you know, maybe in the back of my head, I think it comes from a place of, of homophobia. But, like, I am... I don't attack them because I want to be able to have the dialogue. And remember, yeah. if you're attacking somebody, then you can't have a dialogue with them. Are there some people that just say things that are so blatantly anti-gay and, like, they're not coming from a place of wanting to have a debate or a discussion? They're just coming from a place of hate? Then, yeah, and then I'm going to call them out on it, and we're not going to have the conversation because they're never going to listen to me, and it's not worth my time. Yeah. But when it comes from other pe- other people, like Miss Deborah said, like, I can have a conversation with you, Miss Deborah, and we can talk it out, and, like, I'm not going to say that to because we're coming from a place where we're trying to be have a civil disagreement yeah. and and get to another place by having communication with each other. I'm a black man and I've had conversations with people who I thought were dear friends and who just happen to be white and they've said some extremely problematic things about black people, like some hurtful things. And one of the hardest things you have to do is like kind of like swallow your pride and like listen. I understand you you have good intentions, but what you're saying is problematic and having those conversations. But what's even more draining is when they push back because they can't see, like, the bigotry that's coming out of their mouths, and that's draining. So I'm with Alyssa 100%. Like, be open to have conversations. But if you're just saying, like, straight-up hurtful things, you can't expect that person to, like, be be there, be there, be willing to sit through that. Now, I think Ms. Deborah is right. You shouldn't just call someone a homophobe because they challenge your, your way of thinking. That's just wrong. But, guys, we do have to start wrapping up this conversation. So I want to let you guys get some closing statements in. Selena? Yeah, definitely. So um, I think, you know, closing statement, it, I think the question should be, how do we move forward from this, right? Um, this was a tragedy. It was uh, particularly targeted to the LGBTQ community. And we have a, um, a so- someone actually tweeted us a really good stance and perspective that I wanted to share. His name is at Holder Valve, and he says the only way to make meaningful and lasting change is to through demonstrative and proactiveness. And I wanted to say, at Holder Ralph, you are absolutely right. I think that we need to continue to be uh, extremely vocal on these issues. We need to understand that um, passing same-sex equality and overturning don't ask, don't tell does was not the last final steps. It was not the end of the rainbow when it comes to the LGBT civil rights movement. And we need to continue to push forward. And I will also say, you know, I commend Alyssa, who has said, you know, I'm going to continue to be loud proud and queer and that's exactly what we need to do yeah i mean my final thoughts are this i mean when this first happened as i mentioned like i was distraught i really couldn't conjure up a thought about really what i wanted to say but what i will just say is you know my thoughts obviously go out to the family members of all the people that were killed in orlando and injured um but my thoughts also go out to all of my fellow lgbt brothers and sisters and of course everybody on the gender spectrum because not everybody is a brother or sister we have lots of people uh, that are in between on their gender and we need to recognize them as well and make them more visible um 
I could have been at that club that night. Mm-hmm. It could have been any yep. of us at a club that night. It could have been a straight ally. I've had straight allies come to clubs, two gay clubs with me. Um, like, the fight did not end with marriage equality. There are still people that, for whatever reason, whether it's religion or otherwise, want us dead because we are LGBTQ. Um, that, or for who, uh, you know, they want us dead either for who we are or for who we love. We have to keep our heads up. We have to keep fighting. Um, you know, they can take lives. They can try and take our lives, but they can't take our hope. They can't take our strength. They can't take our pride. And, you know, we have to keep fighting. After the church bombing in 1963 in, in Birmingham, Alabama, um, that helped to change the conversation. And in 1964, the Civil Rights Act were passed. So far, we have not seen any rush to back pending LGBT uh, pro LGBT legislation. However, hopefully something good will come out of this. And, you know, we have to keep fighting because things just don't happen. Like things are not going to come out of this just because we wish them to. We have to we have to work for it. Every I just want to say really quickly, every time Alyssa says that could have been me in the nightclub, it brings tears to my eyes. Like I'm tearing up right now. And it just further emphasizes why we all have to be an ally when it comes to this movement, when it comes to fighting for LGBT rights and against LGBTQ violence. So I just wanted to say that. Thank you so much for saying that, Selena. And you're really getting some extra steam towards how I want to close this conversation out. This conversation is not towards the bigots. It is not towards the LGBTQ community. It is not towards the people who have already been like there in that struggle. It is about there. It's about the allies, and it's about the people who maybe are supportive spiritually, but they're not vocal. What happened last week, Saturday night, is our fault. And you're going to roll your eyes. You're going to be upset. You're going to think I'm crazy. But it is absolutely our fault. Anytime someone has ever said something was gay or described something as gay because something weird happened. Anytime you've made you've heard someone make a gay joke and you didn't say anything about it. Anytime someone on Facebook posted something about transphobia and you didn't challenge them. Anytime there was a time where your friend who might be gay or lesbian or transgender or gender nonconforming or was, you know, whatever, however they identified, needed your help and needed you to listen to them and you weren't there, we failed them every single time a congressperson blocks a gun bill or an lgbt rights bill and we don't say anything we failed them it is not up to someone who has come out the closet as gay or lesbian or who has decided that they're transgender or gender non-conforming it is not their job to fight for these things it is our job as their allies to have their backs and especially people of color if you are an african-american man or a woman you 100 percent have to have these people's backs because not too long ago and actually because still say currently there were people and there are people who did not want to acknowledge your humanity because of the color of your skin something you could not control and every time we stay silent when these things happen every time we don't stand up for our friends every time we're not the the first ones at that picking line every time we're not challenging the norms we are letting these people down you didn't buy the gun you didn't pass them the quran but you know what you didn't say anything when somebody else said something hateful about these people and there was someone there who didn't say a word who didn't jump in but they they were taking all this in and they believed it and it pushed them to do something worse than any of us could have ever imagined because you were afraid to challenge the status quo because you were afraid to be challenged or for people to look at you differently. Well, you know what? I'm not afraid anymore. I love my friends way too much to let that happen. And I love the people who I'll never meet way too much to stay quiet. I'll be loud and I'll be proud and I'll always be an ally. I challenge you to be one too. Just put your paws up because you were born this way, baby. We are back on Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM WHCR, The Voice of Harlem. The song you were just hearing was Yo Gotti Down in the DMs. I got a funny story about how somebody I work with slid into my DMs at my old job mm. and tried to holler, even though he knows I have a girlfriend and I'm di- yeah, I am not Marilyn, gay. Marilyn, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Marilyn, headphones. He's slid in your DMs. Earmuffs, yes, earmuffs. He was like, mm, Swindle could get it. And I showed it to Marilyn, and Marilyn was like, well, you shouldn't have tempted him. <laughs> That's Yo, smart. I love Marilyn, your girlfriend. And like, I didn't know what to say. Like, I didn't you know because like it was because you were wearing a short skirt and drinking alcohol. Don't you know? That's why that thing's <laughs> happened. Marilyn it's, says it's all always your wearing biking shorts. You know, because rape isn't bike. caused by rapists. It's caused nope. because of your short skirt, Stanley. But people, yeah. the picture Being that made him slide to my DMs was a picture of me wearing a t-shirt that said Hillman College from a different world. Oh, wait, were you wearing those jeggings? All right, you know what? We're not going to do this again, okay? <laughs> it's your fault, Stanley. Stop showing off your calves. We talked <sighs> about that earlier. All right, guys. So we... All right, please... All right, I, I, 
I can't. I can't. Well, are you, you now like spread eagle over here? Oh, 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 oh. All right. Money <laughs> shot. Can Stanley put his leg back down? Zamzaddy. All right, guys. So we are back. This is Let Your Voice Be Heard right here on WHCR 90.3 FM. The, the voice, voice of, of This is what I get for asking you to bring it in. You know what? This is voice. totally my fault. So it's all good. All right. So we actually had a great conversation talking about homophobia, the role religion plays in homophobia, and just society in general and how that all contributes to this culture of homophobia that we had um, in light of the Orlando shooting. Now, let's take a moment to remember that Pulse was a well-known LGBTQ nightclub where people went because they felt safe, right? And many people, like the shooter himself, went there on a regular basis. But now we see that as Americans, we're not safe in nightclubs, we're not safe in churches, we're not safe in schools, and we're not safe in movie theaters. And regardless of any reason why a madman chooses to shoot innocent people, the common denominator here is the fact that they all have easy access to guns, but not only regular guns and pistols, but high power military styled weapons. And this is basically the conversation that we're going to have now when it comes to gun rights in America and why we continue to have all of these mass shootings. So CNN recently released a report showing that there are more mass shootings in the U.S., than any other country in the world. In fact, from 1966 to 2012, Hmm. nearly one-third of the world's mass shootings took place in the U.S. That means that although the U.S. is just 5% of the world's population, 31% of all public mass shootings took place here. Now, the Gun Violence uh, Archive, which compiles data from the shooting incidents, they define a mass shooting as an incident where any more, where either four or more people are shot or wounded. Now, based on that definition, we've seen 136 mass shootings in the first 164 days of 2016. That is ludicrous. Um And statistics also show that people have a greater chance of dying in a mass shooting if they're at school or work. Like, our intern Monty looks so concerned and, like, bothered right now. Those statistics are are daunting, right? It's, It's hard to even read. And by no surprise, America is the number one country in firearms per capita. So again, like I said, when mm. it when it comes to all of these um, mass shootings, when it comes to you know what happened recently in Orlando, it all comes back to the lack of common sense gun control regulation that we have here, and the fact and and, and the fact that we cannot seem to get legislation pushed because of what's going on and the gridlock in Congress because of the NRA, like no no money. No, definitely. Money does speak. Money does talk. And because of the NRA and lobbyist groups like the NRA, they've been pushing and basically buying out our elected officials who refuse to do anything to take a stance. But you know what? Democrats did take a stance. Following the massacre, several members of Congress walked out uh, during a post-massacre moment of silence. And Representative Jim Himes actually called them, um, and I quote, an abomination that does not honor the victims but mocks them. So he says that, you know what, I don't want to do any more moments of silence. Let's stop that. We need to actually take some action. We have Mm -hmm. the power. Let's do something. And then Senate Democrats, led by Chris Murphy from Connecticut, who had to deal with the Sandy Hook shooting a few years ago, mind you, he actually took a lead with a 15, nearly 15-hour filibuster Pushing, pushing for gun legislation that would have, number one, expanded universal background checks to cover gun shows and Internet sales. And it would have prevented people on the terror watch list from buying firearms. Things that just make sense. Right. So the question that I have for the panel and the way that I'm going to start the show is, you know, I'll throw it to you first, Alyssa. Will Chris Murphy's 15-hour filibuster for gun control measures actually do anything? No, um, well, no. Uh, will, will the filibuster do anything? Uh, the stance, the legislation, the fact that they're going to well, vote on it. If the legislation actually was to get passed, then yeah, I think it would greatly help to reduce gun violence in this country. The question of well, it, will, it, will, will it get passed? I think the answer is no. There has been four different proposals. Um, one of them has to do with the terrorist watch list. That one may get passed. But the rest of them, I, I think, already are going to be killed. In fact, I think I was reading in the New York Times this morning that Republicans have already said that they're going to block at least three, if not all four of them. And even the NRA 
uh, thinks that people on the terrorist watch list should be able to buy guns because they say <laughs> that too many Americans end up on the watch list um, already and then they can't get off of it and they're law-abiding citizens. Now, that may be true, um, but this new legislation actually has built-in due process protections, um, which means if you were to go to buy a gun and you were to be denied because they were to say you were on the terrorist watch list, you'd actually be able to challenge that determination in court. However, Republicans have proposed a whole another bill that's similar, but basically they their challenge that in court is they set the standard so high that basically what Democrats say is essentially would render the whole first part of the provision null and void. So to me, I think like it's great and I'm glad that they're standing up. But, you know, at the end of the day, we still have a situation where, you know, this November, you need to go out and vote for Democrats down the ballot because we don't control the Senate. We don't control the House. And we're not going to get anything done unless we have more people who represent our interests that don't represent the interests of the NRA and the gun lobby. No, that's exactly right. Stanley, did you want to chime in before we go to the callers? Well, just because, like the, the, the bill's not going to pass because, like Alyssa mentioned, <laughs> money, Republican, psychoticness. If they haven't passed it before, when a whole bunch of white kids got killed, they're not passing it for gay people of color. Since Sandy Hook, we've had 998 mass shootings. After Orlando, 999. And that number has probably increased since last week's Saturday when all those innocent people were shot and killed. Congress doesn't care. Mm. Well, I mean, thank you so much for that, Stanley. I know that we have Colette, who is a good friend of Let Your Voice Be Heard, on the line. And she is also a strong advocate when it comes to gun rights, uh, gun control legislation. So, Colette, you know, I just want to throw that question to you. And you can also, you know, chime in on your thoughts on this shooting. And what role um, gun legislation and the gun lobby group like like the NRA has in this? Okay. Well, good morning. And, uh... Again, I, you know, it's bad news every time that we talk, right? So, um, yeah, it's horrific. The country is reeling legislatively just to cut to the chase. No, this legislation won't pass. So you've got, you know, we know that going in, but it's important that it be brought to the floor and voted on because the legislators that vote against the good bills should be nailed to the wall. They should lose. There are a number of vulnerable Republicans to keep an eye on nationwide. Um, the Senate can be flipped with this election, so we need to be voting. We need to be registered. We need to be doing everything we can to make sure people vote. And, you know, honestly, the general election for the presidential spot is going to be what it is, but it, those down-ballot races are going to be of critical importance in this. But with that said, legislative action is not the only thing that's happening after Orlando, and I can't reinforce that enough. We need every person hearing this phone who gives one big about this issue to be out front, to be educated on it, and to be calling their representatives every time. Thank you so much for that, Colette. We definitely stand in unison with all of your remarks. I mean, it's right. We need to pick up. We need it to. We need to take this, and we need to make sure that we take responsibility by calling our legislators, the people that are elected to represent us, to make sure that they take action. Now, I understand we have Haja, Haja, Haja on the line who would like to let their voice be heard. Hi, you guys have a great program, and uh, I just want to say that I was at a. Um, and Occupy the Corner, uh, sponsored by uh, Street Corner Resources on 139th and 140th Street uh, this Friday. And uh, one of the things that we've been doing, you know, we are really concerned about gun violence, and uh, the whole Orlando thing was raised up, okay? I think that uh, one thing, though, is that fear, fear across the board, all right, and, uh, and globally, you know, is a factor in all this, you know. What I, I heard I, um, on, I think I was watching TV and I heard this, uh, a young gay woman uh, who kind of like, you know, as a result of all this, uh, this, this killing and everything, she uh, said that she would go out and purchase a gun, okay? Uh, now, you know, whether or not that's the right, you know, I think people have a right to defend themselves. But like I said, fear is a driving force. And if people, uh, you know, are driven by fear to pick up guns, it's no good all the way around. And so I think first and foremost, uh, with all the labels and stuff, I think we need to be humans first and foremost. Thank you so much, Hajab, for calling in. I 100% agree. And in fact, every time we do have a massacre, 
people go out and buy more guns. Right. And you know what happens? The NRA stock increases. So they're the ones that benefit all around from this. And we actually have a special guest in the studio with us. We have Angelo Pinto. And you have a comment. Yeah, you know, I do legislative advocacy work during the day. And while I think legislation being passed is very important, I don't think it fixes this issue. I think it is a first step in the right direction. Some 40 or 50 years ago, Dr. King was saying that, you know, America, he was trying to save the soul of America. That was the thing he constantly reiterated. And he said it was because of militarization, racism, and extreme materialism. And I think militarization is one of the reasons why you see so many folks have guns around this country and why police force forces have military-grade equipment. And I think we need to have that conversation first and ask ourselves what's going on in America. You were mentioning all the places that people are no longer safe in America. And the real question is, are we safe in America at all? And for many folks, they've never been. And I think this, what we are witnessing now is that spilling over to affect everyone. It's not just black folks. It's not just native folks. But everyone now is no longer safe in America. And I think we have to really grapple with that question quick before things get completely out of control. Thank you for that. Alyssa? Yeah, you know, I mean, my friend posted this thing the other day where she, you know, she just put up a picture of her kid who's like four years old. And she said, well, you guys are all on the Internet debating over the Second Amendment and over this and that. She's like, I'm just trying to figure out how I can keep my kids safe. How can I send my kid to school next year and know she's not going to be killed in a classroom? How can I send my kid on a school field trip and know she's not going to be shot at the movie theater or the aquarium or the zoo? And, you know, like, that's where we have to come to in this country, which is like, what kind of society do we want to live in? Do we want to live in a society? Society where you have to worry about whether you're going to get shot at the movies, at school, at the zoo, you know, going down to the corner store, or do we want to live in a society where, like, you can still have a gun for, for self-defense, but, like, you don't have to worry about constantly getting shot all the time, everywhere, no matter what. I know we're going to continue this when we come back from yeah. break, because um, no. I have some more thoughts on it, but we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. And we are back. This is Let Your Voice Be Heard right here on WHCR 90.3 FM, the voice of Harlem. Again, my name is Selena Hill. We have Stanley Fritz up here on the PC Ones and Twos. We have Alyssa Fuchs, our resident legal scholar, in here with us. We also have a special guest, Angelo Pinto, who we will interview in depth in a few more minutes in depth. And we have our favorite intern, Monty, here. Our only intern. Favorite only. <laughs> it's synonymous. It's synonymous, Stanley. Monty, Just see me, me in the streets, you, Monty. You know, Monty you see, you see who likes you, right? Exactly. See exactly. me and get sore, all right? So before we switch gears to talk about terrorism, and also I think, you know, to talk about how these lack of gun laws uh, affect the issue of terrorism, I think there's a really important thing that I wanted to mention um, about HRC. So HRC is the Human Rights Campaign. They are the largest pro-LGBT rights organization in the country, and they are now, after this, getting on board with working to curb gun violence and to work for... Um, more gun control measures. They have explicitly endorsed steps to limit access to assault-style rifles, to extend, expand background checks, to limit access to firearms for suspected terrorists to pe and people with a history of domestic violence, um, ab domestic violence and domestic abuse. I think this is a major uh, time because this is the first time in the organization's 36-year history that it is co literally called a meeting to address a policy that... Um, goes beyond just LGBT rights and now wading into how the issue of guns and gun violence affects LGBT people, I think that is going to be a big deal. Um, while HRC is not as big and does not have as much money or influence as the NRA does, they are a very big group. They do a lot of great lobbying work. They were absolutely influential in the marriage fight, and it's going to be um, a big deal t for them to have their finger on the scales now uh, as part of this conversation, and definitely something we should be looking out for and and uh you know and looking to how that affects whether or not anything gets done with respect to guns and the issue of guns mm -hmm. thank so. you so much Alyssa, for bringing that to our attention now i do want to switch gears because as soon as we heard the shooter's name was omar martin automatically people started saying oh this is an isis attack this is domestic terrorism this is a lone wolf 
right? Now more facts have came out and we understand more. We understand that he was diagnosed with bipolar. We understand that he may have been a closeted homosexual. He, he hated gay people. We understand a lot more about him. Um, should we still be classifying this tragedy as a terrorist attack? Stanley? Absolutely not. I think, A, it's racist. B, there's not enough evidence to, sh- to show that this, it's an Islam, he's Islam, he's, he's, um, he's with ISIS. And C, why is it that every time someone named Omar or a brown person gets involved in the shooting, that's what they want to do? I find it very problematic that Hillary Clinton is talking about this is a, a pushing the issue more towards ISIS, and I think it takes away from the victims. Let's talk about this the way that it should be talked about as homophobic hate crimes. But that, I don't think that doesn't make it a terrorist attack. You're defining terrorist attack as like something that involves brown people. Mm-hmm. The way I look at terrorist attack is anytime somebody does something that makes you fear, that makes you not want to go out, mm-hmm. to go to the nightclub, to go to the movies, to go somewhere you would normally go, that's mm-hmm. terrorism. No, I, I think the problem is that when white people do it, we don't cause a terror call it terrorism versus when brown people do it we do call it terrorism i think for example the shooting at the church in um charleston last Mm. year should have been called terrorism but it wasn't so i think this was terrorism but it was also a hate crime and i don't say it's terrorism because it was a brown person who pledged allegiance to isis after the fact i say it's terrorism because of the effect that this type of shooting has Uh, obviously we know that he pledged allegiance to isis but isis did not plan this attack so i don't think it's terrorism in that way and i agree we shouldn't say like, oh, we shouldn't blame all Muslims yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. But I do think that we should start classifying these mass shootings as what they are and they're terrorist attacks. Yeah, and I, I think I agree with you. My biggest issue is that they don't do it with white people. When it's white people, he was quiet, he was reserved. <laughs> he uh, was mentally, he had a mental right. illness. He, so, but the problem is how we classify yeah, those, yeah. not that we shouldn't say this isn't terrorist. You know who's a terrorist? Brock Turner. No, so, absolutely right. I understand we have a caller on the line. We have... Um, It's um Colette again. Oh, Colette is hey. back on the line. Yes. Okay, so... I can't agree more with what you're saying. The terrorism issue is going to become completely important to this, and I'll tell you why. Dylan Roof was not once called a terrorist. Mm. Mm. Nobody, nobody was talking about shutting down radical Christian extremists when he shot nine people in a church. The Planned Parenthood shooter was never called a radical Christian extremist, and he killed people enjoying their constitutionally protected rights. Well, I won't say enjoying it. It was a parenthood clinic. But, you know, exercising their rights to be free to make their own choices. These people are never called radicals. They're never called extremists. They're never called terrorists. So I don't care who defines terrorism. Define it consistently. Right. No, Colette, you are absolutely right. And I'm so glad that you guys are just putting so much emphasis on that point. And I want to bring up a statement that Elizabeth Warren said that really resonated with me. She said, one side shouts it was a gun that killed all those people. The other side shouts it wasn't a gun. It was a terrorist that killed all those people. Through all the shouting, we missed what should be obvious. It was a terrorist with a gun that killed all those people. A terrorist with hate in his heart and a gun in his hand that killed all those people. This country, you know, if we look at it and we take it, you know, from a larger perspective, what are the chances I'm going to be shot by ISIS? Zero to none, right? But what are the chances I'm going to be shot with a, by another American with a gun? Whether Maybe or even, not they pledge allegiance to right, ISIS. It does not matter. And I think that we don't have like a, you know, I think that politicians, especially people like Donald Trump, are trying to put all of this like fear around ISIS and trying to like use that to fuel his campaign. But the fact of the matter is what we should fear is the fact that there's like almost 300 million guns in this <laughs> country and people are walking around with assault, a, a military style weapons. And the fact that in Florida... It's easier to get an AR-15 than it is a pistol. Like, it's just, it does not make sense. It's ludicrous. And then you have elected officials who should be protecting us, protecting them, protecting their political interests, and protecting the NRA. You have, it's easier to get a gun than it is to get Hamilton tickets. It's easier <laughs> to get a, No, it is. The cheapest Hamilton, Hamilton ticket is like $841 right now. That's a cheap one. And I checked on StubHub and it was that expensive. It's easier to get an AR-15 than it is to vote in certain states. You can. It's it's easier to get a gun than it is to go buy a porno magazine if you're 13 years old. Or Sudafed. Or Sudafed. Like that. That's how ridiculous this gun issue has become. And 
honestly, if, if people, if, listen, if you think guns are going to protect you from the government, if the government becomes tyrannical, let me tell you what they have. They have these things that fly in the air that no one's in that can bomb you. And these bombs are so accurate, they can fly through your window. Your AR-15 is doing nothing against a drone. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that. I'm not anti-gun. In fact, I shoot guns. I like going to the gun range, and I find it to be enjoyable, um, you know, to, to, to shoot a gun for skill. And I understand why people like to have a gun, you know, in their home for, for self-defense, although, you know, I'm not going to get into this statistics on how you're much more likely to get killed in your own home because you have a gun there than somebody who doesn't. But nonetheless, I think that that doesn't mean we can't do anything about the gun issue, right? You know, people like to go, oh, well, the Constitution says shall not be infringed. Even Justice Scalia, before he died, when he wrote, you know, there's something that liberals really get wrong uh, about you know, Heller, and there's something conservatives get wrong. I mean, liberals get wrong is that, you know, you need to be in a militia. You don't he says you have an individual right to own a gun. Um, you know, can, what conservatives get wrong is the idea that, that it, you know, there can be no gun laws whatsoever. But, you know, getting back to the issue of terrorism and this, like the, te- the, the FBI looked at him. They said that there wasn't enough information to, to charge him with any crime. Because, and, and you know what, that, at that time, because we do, or in theory, live in a country where you're supposed to be innocent until proven guilty, where you're not supposed to be incriminated for the thoughts in your head or just for your words when you're not actually planning to be violent against anybody. We, we, we say, you know, you have a First Amendment right to express things that people disagree with that are not popular or that may be disgusting to other people. Um, you know, at the same time, we still have to say, if you are being watched by the FBI, you shouldn't be able to buy a gun. And yeah. so, like, you look at how terrorism in America and and the, the idea of guns, like, literally, ter- like, uh, terrorists, people uh, that are in ISIS, that produce propaganda, they are literally telling people in America that sympathize with ISIS, not that are members of ISIS, just that sympathize with ISIS, they say... Go do these lone wolf attacks and go get a gun because you're in America and it's really easy to get a gun. So if you think that the issue of guns and terrorism aren't related, they are. Because when ISIS is literally telling uh, sympathetic Americans, you know, that you don't have to come here. You don't have to fight in Syria. You don't have to fight in Iraq. You can just go get a gun and just go to a club, a movie theater. You can go to a convention center like in San Bernardino. You could just kill people there. Then you know, like that's a big problem. They right. know that our gun laws are lax, and they're taking advantage of that. And we have to pay attention to that when we're talking about terrorism and our gun laws. No, we absolutely do. We have Luke on the line who would like to let his voice be heard on this issue. Luke, yes, hi. You know, I oh, I always wondered why every attempt at gun control is aimed at the individual and not at the manufacturing. You know, why? You know, okay, let's make a million guns, and then let's make laws to try to control the use of them. I could never figure that out until recently, what's going on. And what it is is that we believe that in order to have the best product, you have to have a free, competitive market. This is capitalism, all right? In order to supply our armed forces with the best weapons... We believe that it has to come from competition in the gun market. The Russians during World War II didn't have competition. They had a state gun factory, and the guns were terrible. So this, our country, our culture, was built on the gun. It's the gun that freed us Mm. from the English. Mm. It's the gun that let us take the land away from the Indians. Mm. And there's an old saying... You live by the sword, you die by the sword. Well, no, um, thank you so much, Luke. I mean, that was such a thought-provoking question and combat combat uh, comment. Stanley, did you want to respond to that? Well, I'll get the same response that gun nuts say: guns don't kill people; people kill people. So yes, the gun helped us to beat the English, and the guns helped us to intimidate Native Americans. But it was people who did this, and it's also the, the people, the problematic people, who are going around doing these mass shootings. And what? Even like even though people should have a right to bear arms, you should not be enabling people who are problematic, who are, who are honestly just like unhinged and who are very dangerous to be getting access to any kind of weapons they want. And particularly people who have a record for domestic abuse. 
which and, is what this killer had. Right. And you know what? I just wanted to say something real quick about the due process uh, issue of that Republicans yelling about due process and how ironic it is because they don't yell about due process when it comes to whether or not people can get on a plane. Well, some of them do, like Rand Paul, like the libertarians. But for the most part, Republicans don't yell about due process when it comes to who can get on a plane and who can fly and who can't. They definitely don't yell about due process when we're talking about whether or not these people at Gitmo should be able to access our court systems, which is a point that Colette wanted to make that she messaged me about um, that, unfortunately, she didn't have a chance to make because we had to go to another caller. But we thank her for that point. So and the new legislation would actually have a built in due process protection because of the fact that even Democrats recognize that unlike flying, uh, owning a gun or having a gun is is protected by the Constitution, whereas flying is not. So they said if you were to deny a gun, you would have the opportunity to challenge that, which is something you don't get right now when it comes to flying. So, like, it's kind of ironic that Republicans are all due process when when it comes to anything else, they're not due process. And don't even let me get into how what they say about due process when we start to talk about Black Lives Matter and about the, you know, because that's like a whole other can of worms that I can open up as a civil rights attorney. Right. And the things that we're constantly dealing with when we're trying to talk about police reform and about the Black Lives Matter movement and about how we should have due process and the presumption right. of innocence in the criminal justice system. But Republicans don't care about that either. So, this whole due process thing is totally a mirage. They're right. only saying that because, like, they have nothing else, so now they're going to say something they think makes sense, but it's totally hypocritical to any other position they've ever took on anything. What right. We have Miss Deborah on the line. We are bringing this conversation to a close, but we do have a few seconds. Miss Deborah, let your voice Hi. be heard. I was listening to something the other day and, uh, you know, going on and on and on about what we're talking about, and then all of a sudden someone starts to talk about the uh, people in the in the in the urban in the urban uh, centers, and I'm saying to myself, wait a minute, wait a minute, that's not what we're talking about. It always comes back to blaming poor black people. So I'm saying, I, one night I, I woke up and there was a a, a show on a C uh, C-SPAN, and there was uh there was a row of uh, uh pretty wealthy. Uh, uh, white women who had been more or less, they, they rescued themselves, but they got out of where they were living. And one woman said, my husband's gun is his penis. And wow. I was like, you know, you know how you look at something and, and uh, you heard what he said, wow. you heard what she said, but she was very serious about it. They were having a very calm conversation. And I was like, wow, this is Really something. But it came on like late at night. Oh, my God. You see, when everybody's asleep. Yes. Wow. Um, thank you so much, Ms. Deborah, for calling out. We always appreciate when you let your voice be heard. Unfortunately, we have to bring this conversation to a close. And you know what else is very unfortunate? I'm pretty sure we will be having this conversation yep. in a few weeks, if not a few months. Um, it's just continual. It goes on and on and on when it comes to mass shootings in America. And there's one thing that really got me going. I think it was yesterday I watched this interview that Florida Governor Rick Scott did uh, with CNN. And, you know, kudos to CNN because the reporter was actually really pushing back and she kept asking him, do you feel responsible for the fact that it's easier for people to, you know, it's really easy for people to purchase AR-15s here in Florida and do you feel any responsibility that the gun laws are so lax in Florida? And you know what he kept doing? He kept going back and forth. He said, you know what? I think we need to focus on ISIS. I think we need to, you know what? Why isn't the country talking about ISIS? And I'm like, are you kidding me right now? Turn on Fox. Turn on MSNBC. That's the only thing they want to talk well, about. Florida voted for him, so have fun with that. I mean, it's just, it, it's just <laughs> sad. And it's reflective of the larger systematic issue here. And when it, comes to mass, when it comes to mass shootings, when it comes to gun violence, the fact that our legislators are not taking action that needs to be, ta needs to be taken. I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's going to take for someone to shoot up their own offices, to shoot their hmm. own kids. I don't know what else it takes. Right. But you know what? For me, I'm done. I'm calling my legislator. I'm going to take action. I'm going to those ga uh, rallies. I'm going to support those organizations that are moving forward and making sure that they want to keep our country safe. It doesn't have to be like this. We are the top country when it comes to mass shootings. 
it shouldn't be like that. And you know what? It's time for us all to speak out and to do something. So, and that's what we're going to continue to do, especially right here on Let Your Voice Be Heard. And on that note, we do have to take a quick break, but don't go anywhere. When we come back, we're going straight into the Dreamer and Doer series right here on Let Your Voice Be Heard.